welcome to Nobody Asked Our Opinion, a podcast where two idiotas sit together and talk about all things pop culture. This idiota is Joanna. And this idiota is a JJ. <laughs> it's a you, a Mario. It's a me. <laughs> I was going to say you can tag right in for Chris Pratt if things go, go, go sideways for this Mario movie. Uh, hashtag hit me up, Nintendo. I mean, for realsies. Um, you're, let's be real. We're almost as famous as Chris Pratt. <laughs> In some delusional universe, yes. <laughs> We're almost as famous as Chris Pratt was when he first made a commercial. Okay, um, let's get into this uh, news gig as we... Um, have a really special uh episode for you friends meaning we didn't watch shit this this last week we're sorry we've been busy <laughs> joanna's been an actor and jj's been prepping for basically in-laws <laughs> oh yeah well just and it's it's really just an excuse to finally put our get our apartment all put together <laughs> I mean, honestly, you should have Shane's family come visit right after you move every time because the apartment looked better than, like, even what, like Monday when I came over, the apartment looked way, like that spare, the other room that you have your office in looked uh-huh. way better than it would normally look oh, yeah. in, like, the last, like, several years that I've known you. So oh. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> get it. Like we even, uh, I, I don't know if uh, if if we're go if we're end up gonna having gonna do it, but like we're even having like uh, like a cleaning lady come down and like just scrub the whole place down, just just to be like, this place is spotless. <laughs> Which I think's adorable, except you just moved there. There's no spots yet. Oh, <laughs> if this was yeah. the last place, it would have made all of the sense because there are lots of spots. Believe me, there are spots to be cleaned. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, let's jump into this news gig because you posted this article um, about admittedly, Michael Caine. Sh- uh, admittedly, I shot my wad pretty quickly. You're like, oh my god, Michael Caine is uh, quitting acting, and I was like, no, he's like, not. I read the article, and you're like, not, oh, that's well. Not right. And then I he's misunderstood. Even, he's even come out like since this article was written and has like clear tried to clear things up because he's like, I haven't retired. Like, I promise I'm yeah. not retired. I mean, I haven't done anything in a while, but that's because like COVID and, and Michael Caine's 88 years old. Yeah. And he does say like, you know, there's not a whole lot of parts, you know, floating around for an 88 year old. So <laughs> it's not that I'm completely retired, just that have been working recently <laughs> um i will say so um producer jonathan and i used to have uh talks about when uh it came out that kevin spacey was garbage um and i had laughed because i made the joke that uh christopher Plummer should have remade all of kevin spacey's movies since he did it for that one movie all the money in the world he like re- like they mm-hmm. reshot it in like a week so i remember Kevin Spacey wasn't in it. So I was like, Christopher Plummer should remake all of them. And then Christopher Plummer sadly died. Um, if Michael Caine's not doing anything, Michael Caine can remake all of Kevin Spacey's movies. 
I mean, I think he's that, got nothing else to do. I think that would be a wonderful way for him to be like, hey, guess what? I'm not dead. I'm still acting. I'm still good at acting. He's very good at acting. And could easily just step on in and remake everything Kevin Spacey's ever done that we don't want to lose. Because watching Kevin Spacey movies are creepy. I mean, yeah, I get. It'd be kind of. It'd be. In my initial reaction, would be like, would I? Would I be able to handle Michael Caine's accent in like the roles that Kevin Spacey has been? <laughs> but like, uh, I'm sure that it'll be. If that were. That's never going to happen in, in in a million years. Like Michael Caine would not. That, that's not happening. But in the, in the reality where Michael Caine has redone every Kevin Spacey movie, or every appearance of Kevin Spacey on film, uh, or even on television, didn't he have like a he had like a pretty successful run on House of Cards on Netflix for I think three or four seasons before. Yeah. Uh, who took over? Was it Christopher Plummer? No, Christopher Plummer died. But before he died, didn't he take over House of Cards? No, he no no he just did the one movie. Who who took over for House of Cards then? I didn't think anybody did. I thought that show got canceled. No, they went on for another season. I thought. Oh, I didn't watch it. So it was on my list of like things to watch because it was such like. It was such a, like a huge, um, uh, like, cultural phenomenon. Yeah, like it went on for six seasons. Yeah, but I feel like it was close to the end. I don't know. It was on my list of things to watch too. Now I, the last time I accidentally watched something that Kevin Spacey was in, I was creeped out and grossed out the whole time. And I was like, I can separate, like, when I realized he was in it, I was like, I can separate the man from his actions, and turns out I can't. So, anyways, we're spending too much time talking about Kevin Spacey when we were talking about Michael Caine. (laughs) Maybe we should move on to one of our... I did. I was making a joke, and then suddenly we're talking about Kevin Spacey for a long time. Welcome to our world. Um... (laughs) Seeing Michael Caine in Seven with Brad Pitt would be kind of hilarious. I'm here for it. Or, like, the usual suspects. That sounds... Well, That's that feels a little bit more up Michael Caine's alley than a Seven. I feel like Michael Caine is a multifaceted actor. And I say that we at least give him the chance to remake every Kevin Spacey movie. And... Or maybe we let him make remake some of them and we get another actor to remake the rest. I don't care. Get a scary actor to do the other ones. Get on it. I'm working. I am. <laughs> I'm working. I'm going to contact Michael Caine's people when we're start done. A, what is it? Start a change.com petition. <laughs> change.org. Come on, come on, friends. We need to remake everything Kevin Spacey's done because it's all tainted. Um, but anyway, uh, movie theaters are offering subtitles now, so that's cool. Yeah, honestly, like, 
why haven't they had the option to have subtitles this entire time? Like that feel I feel like that's should have been pretty pretty standard from the outset, but it's it's just a kind of a weird leftover bit of um, Hollywood being uh, ableist. Is that the word? Ableist? Yes. Where they just kind of disregard people uh, with disabilities and you know being if you were you know hard of hearing or deaf, uh, going into a movie theater is probably not a thing you did on a regular basis. But if you're in one of the 240 AMC theaters across the U.S., um, you could watch a movie with subtitles and enjoy a movie on the big screen. I will say I do believe, um, like, there are some theaters, like Cinemark theaters, that would offer uh, closed captioning screenings for certain films like for like blockbuster because i remember i laid like i remember seeing it like when i go to reserve movie tickets that that was an option for certain screenings but they're not super frequent and we should just be making it a more frequent thing because honestly we watch television with the subtitles on exclusively oh pretty much exclusively Unless like, it's a live, it's a live show that's being like happening right this minute, that shit has subtitles on because, yeah. not even because I can't hear it. Like, it started with like watching shows with like heavy accents, like heavy British accents, where like I really am enjoying this. I really wish I knew what that bitch just said. And so having the subtitles helped with that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I can process this way better with subtitles there, even if I can hear it properly. Because it's, uh, I'm a visual learner. And so having that visual and then going in with the audio, like, it's perfection. It's mwah. I mean, there's studies want. that studies show that like you retain information better if it if it is presented to you across different modalities that you can connect. So having being able to watch a f- film with subtitles would enhance the viewer's experience, tr- like just from a physiological standpoint, because they can get the information au- from their auditory system as well as reading the subtitles, and so like their comprehension and and just like being involved in the story would. Super benefit like that's I, I feel like I've I like you said like if it's unless if it's live and and there's no option for a closed captioning I'm like I, that shit's always on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's uh, the problem is when it's live the captions will pop on but they're severely delayed. Oh yeah, they're like ten seconds and, delayed and you're like and it's distracting. Yeah, it's it's not helpful at all. That. You'd, I mean, I don't know. Broadcast te- live broadcast television and closed captioning have always been at odds with each other. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if it, I feel like that there should be technology where they can like live update or live uh, feed the captioning. But then like, what is considered live now with streaming versus live? Bro- I don't know. So like, I don't get it. It's, I feel like that we should be. If if it were me, fucking real real life would have goddamn captions. 
I sh- everybody should be walking around with like a small like black little tape across their like ticker tape across their like forehead that just says what they're saying. I mean, then I can maybe understand what the fuck people are talking about. I mean, whatever helps. That could just mean I'm not paying attention very much. <laughs> I mean, very that. <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, so go see a movie with subtitles if you want, because work. But um, you know what you should not watch? You should not watch um, wonderfully... Um, you know, progressive TV ads and then sexualize children and shit on it. I wouldn't even call this a progressive ad. I would call this a child being a child. That's so, the problem. Yeah. That, the fact that that's progressive in, in the eyes of some of these idiots is infuriating. Yeah. So, okay. So we're talking about a John Lewis ad, um, in the UK and, um, so the problem is, is that this advert features a, uh, a, a small male looking child, um, dressed up in uh, wearing like, and clearly wearing like a t-shirt and then has like a dress over it with some jewelry and, um, some makeup. child looks, I don't know, about like eight, nine, 10 years old. Yeah. Um, little glasses, a really adorable child and is a dancing around in, um, in their house. And they're like, yep, this is, uh, this is our new insurance ad. <laughs> and we're like, cool. That's adorable. And it's a, uh, basically a recreation of a ad that they had done years ago of a little girl in a similar outfit dancing around her house and so they recreated it but with a little boy doing it and people just went oh it's sexualizing children um the only skin i see on this child are the arms and face (laughs) but we're sexualizing children and people are like how dare you it's like did nobody care when the little girl was doing it no yes Yeah, exactly. And the fact, what uh, during the advertisement, while the little boy's like dancing around, he's dancing around to Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks, which is a fucking bop. Yeah. That kid has got great taste. <laughs> First off, <laughs> or his family, his parents have good taste. Um, but it's just, it's you know, anything that has to do with like, you know, if we're putting. Uh, uh, if we're calling into question the typical gender norms uh, in relation to, um, especially children, um, it especially very tr- conservative, traditional thinking people get real fed up, get real kind of like defensive about it. But like, what's interesting about this kind of uh, situation is that. The exact thing that they got up in arms about, about when this boy was doing, was the star of the commercial. They had no problem when a little girl was doing it. Because the little girl was doing her little girl job being cute and adorable. And, um, hey friends, I hate to break it to you, but I worked with in child development for 10 years. Little boys like to be pretty. Whether they, whether, like... 
whatever they identify as little boys that I've known that have grown up to be, uh, to, you know, be cisgendered boys, um, quote unquote, boys, boys, play sports, all that. I swear, I swear to you when those, those kids were four years old, all of them, I want to wear the skirt. Why? Because it's pretty. Not no, I'm a boy or whatever. It's just they want to look pretty just like the girls do sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing, you know, demasculizing about it. There's nothing um, wrong about it. There's clearly nothing sexual about it. It is just children wanting to express themselves. And honestly, if you made clothes that were t- made for boys, quote unquote, that were more expressive and colorful and fun, maybe you wouldn't have to freak out that your child was decided they wanted to wear a dress because they felt pretty that day. Um, but also, stop gendering clothes. It's clothes. Right. This, this has been my TED Talk. <laughs> I mean, bravo. Bravo. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, and that's why, like... It, this was such an interesting like article because it really shows like the hypocrisy behind those who are very conservative minded. They're like, or like the double standard that exists because they, people who think like this always call into question when things fall out of the, the you know, gender norms. Uh, when in fact, like it's incredibly natural for both uh, you know, for both little boys and little girls uh, to explore their ident- their gender identities in lots of different ways. It's, it's not uncommon for little boys to dress up in dresses, and it's not uncommon for little girls to, like, want to play with, you know, hardware, or, like, hard hats tools. and tools and stuff. <laughs> the and word you're looking for is tools. You can tell how masculine you are. Hardware. Hardware. <laughs> that's what that's that's what straight boys play with, right? Hardware. Hardware. I see that there's an aisle in Home Depot that says hardware. So that's what I think the straights do. <laughs> that's what they do. No. They do the hardware. <laughs> no, but I mean absolutely. I remember um, again vividly um, working at a preschool. And one morning we had brought out all of the toys and I had a group of like four or five boys sitting around the dollhouses playing, playing dollhouse with, you know, the little, little toys and whatever. And all of the little girls, they were over with the, uh, the rescue heroes with like, you know, which were considered the quote unquote boy toys. And it was literally, they, they had divided by gender and gone for the non-gender conformative toy. And I was like, cool. Because, yeah, little girls want to go rescue people with their, you know, with their rescue heroes. And little boys wanted to sit down and play house. And we're like, work. Yeah, and that's totally fine. It's, because it's boys a, need to learn, boys need to learn, like, the, the feminine, uh, softer, romantic you know, gentler side of things and girls need to learn how to be tough and that's how you do it. And if those children decide that, you know what, hey, I figured out what my gender identity is and it's not necessarily what I was born with, more power to you. But at the end of the day, that doesn't always happen. It usually doesn't happen. Therefore, they don't know how to express themselves as a human yet. (laughs) Yeah, so like... uh... 
I thought that's the reason why I brought up this article about this advert because it was so, it was just, it, it highlights such a weird, like, the only people who are hypersexualizing children are the people who are claiming that children are being hypersexualized. <laughs> no, it's dumb. It's dumb. And I was like, I saw the thing and I was like, did you put this to trigger me? <laughs> you're like Joanna's gonna be pissed about this oh <laughs> because I I was pissed I was like this is so fucking stupid so dumb but you know it's like I said whenever you know gender norms are confronted and especially in the eyes of somebody who is more conservative leaning it's always like an affront to their you know core beliefs and when in fact it it's part of the human experience. You're just, you're just, you know, trying to relay your own bigoted viewpoints on people who don't want to hear it. Work. So step the fuck down. <laughs> Let the okay. kid dance to Stevie Nicks. Right? Just like the little girl got to dance to Tiny Dancer. That's fucking amazing. Both really, of which are clear should, icons. <laughs> right? Really, at the end of the day, we should be applauding the fact that small children have good taste in music. Or at least their, their parents are bringing them up with good taste in music. T. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, we need to talk about this. So, I have... I found this article, and at first I wasn't going to put, put it on here because it was originally just a thing. And then someone decided to comment on it, and I was like, well, now we got to fucking talk about it. So Jonah Hill came out and was basically made a tweet that says, I know you all mean well, but I'm just, I'm kindly asking that you don't comment on my body anymore. Good, bad, I want to politely let you know it's not helpful and it doesn't feel good. Thank you. Much respect. Thanks. So, and I was like, that's a cool sentiment. I feel like that, you know, body positivity is hard to deal with. And especially for someone like Jonah Hill, who was, you know, had weight fluctuated and stuff. But I was like, we should post this. And I was like, you know what? We're not going to put this on here because we're going to be respectful to Jonah Hill and not talk about his weight and how he looks. And then Sharon fucking Stone. <laughs> comments on that tweet and says, can i say you look good because you do with the fire emoji and i went god damn it sharon stone <laughs> he asked for one thing i think it's kind of ironic in a way because sharon stone herself has gone through much of hollywood commenting on her body for much of her career so you'd think that she would like you know would truly deeply you know sympathize with jonah hill's like perspective and be like yeah i've had hollywood and the press and audiences like nitpick my body through my through my career you know through my throughout my entire career it's it, you know it's it'd be nice if anyone just kind of shut the fuck up about what i look like but <laughs> and again she is whether or not it's coming she's clearly coming from a place of love but like it's just like it's funny that she just doesn't quite understand <laughs> the bigger picture here <laughs> well because i think i think how she was seeing it is that 
if someone was to spend time commenting on her body, she'd rather it be a positive reinforcement saying like, wow, you look really great even if you feel like shit. And so maybe it was one of those, man, he must feel like shit. And so I'm just going to say that I think he looks great because I do think he looks great. However, he he's feeling blah, blah, blah. And so you're right. It probably came from a place of love, but it was just clearly also missing the point, which is for sure. We need to stop as a society, not just with Jonah Hill, who has just politely asked us not to talk about it anymore, which I'm like, oh, we can do that. <laughs> we can just ask people not to comment about how we look and most people will just listen. That's amazing because I want that because we should stop being so glamour focused on what people look like and what their uh, what their body is and what their body type is. I mean, at the end of the day, because there's always going to be a negativity and there's also going to be times when somebody's going to be like, God damn, you look great. And you're like, I feel like garbage. And that doesn't help make me feel good. I just think you're lying because I'm a lady who goes through all sorts of, I've got been every shape and size imaginable. And there have been times when people are like, you are so gorgeous. And I'm like, you are so lying because <laughs> that's what we go through. And yeah, there are times when my self-esteem is like, yeah, I do look amazing. Thank you. And there are other times that I'm like, yeah, sure. So I just think that like, I get it. Maybe we should just stop talking about how people look because at the end of the day, that's not the important part. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it, it, there's an interesting facet that, um, that, cause it's coming from a male celebrity rather than a female celebrity. Um, I don't know if, if there's uh, a, a, a monarch, uh, like a, a, a bit of male privilege that comes from the fact that like he's able to ask people like, hey, stop commenting on my body because females have been doing it for eons and nobody has listened to that. We're all still nitpicking. I'm nitpicking about, you know, uh, female celebrity bodies to no end. And it's interesting that like a male celebrity can come out and be like, hey, can we not talk about my body? It make, doesn't make me feel good. When, you know, actresses like Billie Eilish, um, fucking Anne Hathaway have said like, yeah, commenting on my body doesn't make me feel great, but people still fucking do it. And I think that just comes down to the ingrainedness of, again, the need for placing people into categories and the woman's category has always been, you got to look good. And that's unfortunate. And maybe I think that having someone who is a male celebrity with, you know, his privilege or whatever to be able to be like, Hey, I appreciate every, what everybody's trying to do. But when you comment on my body, it really just doesn't help how I feel. So please stop. Thanks. And I think that with people kind of going, yeah, stop commenting on people's bodies, that it's a step in the correct direction. Is it depressing that it has to be started by a guy instead of just listening to all of the females who have for years been like, why are we talking about my body? Um, but, you know, a step in the right direction is a step in the right direction to the point to where maybe Scarlett Johansson won't be asked if she wears underwear underneath the Black Widow costume and while like 
who was it? I think it was like Mark Ruffalo got the question of like, what kind of st- what kind of uh, prep work did you put into playing uh, into your character to play somebody with two different great dualities or something like that? <laughs> Scarlett Johansson's response was, "You asked me I... about underwear. <laughs> you asked me about underwear. How come how come they get all the cool questions and I get asked if I wear underwear? That's wildly inappropriate." Oh, yeah. I mean, during uh, when Anne Hathaway was playing Catwoman in whatever Batman movie she played Catwoman in. Uh, <laughs> Dark Knight Raises. I don't even, I don't think, did I ever see that movie? I don't know, baby. I don't know if you saw that, Is that movie. The, how did the Dark Knight movies go? Is it the first one just called The Dark Knight? No, the first one was Batman Begins. And then it was the Dark Knight, and then it was the Dark Knight Rises. So the Batman Begins was the one with the Scarecrow. That was the weird one. And uh, this next Second one... Second one, that was with Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, the next Maggie one Jill was with Bane. And the next one was with Bane. And that's the one that Anne Hathaway was Catwoman in. Yes. Okay, so that's the one I didn't see. Um, but anyway, she was like, you know, being interviewed or whatever for her because she's playing that, that role. And all the questions are like, what is your diet like? Uh, you, you know, how do you fit into that skimpy little costume? Um, and she fired back at like, because it was a male interviewer and she fired back. was like, why are you asking me this? Are you looking to fit into a Catwoman suit? <laughs> are you like, do you need my diet? advice? Are you, are you looking to start a new diet? <laughs> yeah, like... Why are you asking me about these like really superficial questions when our the male co-stars are getting more like you know how how are you able to deal with such a dark uh, uh, you know the origin story or what whatnot as an actor that'd be more interesting to talk about rather than like I ate chicken for six weeks <laughs> right and exercised like a lot. <laughs> But, yeah, I just, it, it, I mean, yes, body positivity is a good thing. People shouldn't be commenting on people's body uh, body shape, regardless of whether it's coming from a place of uh, love or criticism, especially not from a place of criticism, because that's just rude. Um, but, like, <laughs> but like um, it's just interesting to me that, like, women uh, all over Hollywood have been saying the exact same thing for years and years and years. And the moment that Jonah Hill was like, please don't comment about my body, that people were like, hey, we should stop talking about people's bodies. He's like, well, did you not listen to like the umpteenth thousandth female co-star that you've worked with that said the exact same thing? And now you're just starting to pick it up? Like, it just sucks. People Which suck. also was why it was surprising that it was a Sharon Stone and not like if, like it mm-hmm. would have been like like if it was like I don't know uh, Timothy Chalamet who was like but you look great bro and been like yeah you don't get it bro. Um, but I mean yeah, it, Sharon, I, it could speak okay. it could speak to the fact that like she's been so entrenched in that system that that's just the way that her thinking is now. Like they've commented on my body so much, like you said. It would be great if somebody would comment something positive about me. She she's so in, deeply entrenched in that system, and that type of deep uh, like thought process that like she couldn't even fathom being like I don't have to comment at all and that be okay. 
I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just think that we should listen to Jenna Hill and stop commenting on people's bodies. Well, we should have been and, listening to Scarlett Johansson and Anne Hathaway like 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but <laughs> Jonah Hill said it like a few days ago. So I'm listening to Jonah Hill right now and I'll listen to the other 9,000 women who be like, Hey, can you stop talking about my body? Um, we should all just be doing that. Yeah. But I mean, I'm a woman and I've been saying that for years also. So yeah, we should, it, it fucking sucks that it's been, it has to take a Jonah Hill to be like, Hey, Hollywood, stop being inconsiderate pricks. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't know what the rest of Hollywood is doing. These are just people, random, random people on the internet in Sharon Stone. So the rest of Hollywood still probably objectifying women like normal. Probably objectifying both men and women, honestly. Yeah. Let's talk about drag queens. This is depressing. Let's do this. Talk about objectifying people. <laughs> oh, I'm objectifying them based on their drag, not based off of what they look like out of drag. Now, well, tell that to RuPaul, who was, who was objectifying Charisse's tuck. Oh, well, let's, get, let's, let's start the timer before we get into that. I got the timer ready. You want to explain the segment? Okay. We're about to start our Drag Race 20, where we talk about Drag Race for 20 minutes and 20 minutes only. When the timer goes ding, we stop talking. Uh, even if we are mid-word. Um, we uh, do this really for your benefit, not ours. Um, also our producer's benefit, because we love our producer. We love you, Jonathan. Love you, bro. <laughs> um, so J oh. JJ's going to start the timer. We're going to talk about Drag Race. And when the timer goes, oh, can, oh, can I'm gonna say when the timer goes, <laughs> thanks. When the timer goes ding, we'll stop talking about Drag Race, except for the the little little bits that we put in to all of the other segments on accident. Because <laughs> it it will happen. <laughs> all right. And timer starts and now. Okay, how caught up are you on Drag Race? Oh, uh, completely. Completely. Okay. Completely. Um. So, so. Uh, uh, Where do you UK? want to start? Because this has been this has been UK a fucking became, weird week. Okay, so UK <laughs> has become a weird like slowly becoming a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. That this I week, can't oh. I can't stop watching. And it's I I'm already understanding because I heard rumors that this was going to be like uh, down under, and I'm like, no, it's a UK season. I'm like, I'm getting that now. But it's not as bad as Down Under. Down Under was so bad that I wanted to stop watching. But I would, needed to make sure that... That somebody... That, 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 that one of the Kiwi Queens won. is basically what it, what it was. I was like, I swear to God, if Art Simone wins, I'm going to flip tables. <laughs> well, I mean, we have yet to see if a queen has come out and done blackface. So we're at least one point ahead of... <laughs> Of Down Under. So... There, there is no blackface as of yet. Um, as of yet. But, okay, so this... Okay, so one, that last challenge of the Drag Lexa. So that, that challenge was dumb. I think the conceptually, it did not... I feel like that the, they were grasping at... What could we possibly have the Queen's brand? 
Like, this no. felt like a real reach. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I understood what they were kind of going for. It was still dumb. It's, and it's no surprise that the, that the queens that were given this task came up with some dumbass shit. <laughs> well, I mean, like, okay, so the funniest thing for me was that, like, Scarlet Harlot is spending this whole time going, I was going to do a Joan Crawford thing. No wires ever. And... Like, Rue did, like, a half a chuckle and was like, and that was your only joke you put forth. That would have maybe been, like, oh, Rue laughed almost, as opposed to not at all. Yeah, that I was going to say, as opposed to not at all. <laughs> it wasn't a, like, that's not a full concept. That's a one little bit that you were going to put in there as a, and you can get celebrity voices. Like, that that was all you had, boo-boo. I'm sorry. And, oh, God, they were all, like, ridiculous um, and not in a great way. It was um, pretty It then, was pretty sad watching it. This was very giving me very Shakespeare uh, challenge oh, yeah. in season seven. I was just like, oh, no. Okay, my favorite thing, though, about the whole thing is when after the first group gets to watch their thing, yes. and Scott Claus goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and it immediately turns out, like, the camera pans over to Rue and Michelle giving Giving nooch. nothing. Giving complete nothing. Nooch. Complete Absolute nooch. stone face. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> and, no. And, and Kenny goes, and Kenny goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> God oh bless God, Kitty. I, I am really starting to love her. <laughs> I love Kitty. I love Kitty. Kitty is one of my favorites. I like Kitty. I like Charissa. I like River. And I like Ella. Yeah, I think... I'm trying to... There are so many queens. Uh, and I'm not talking just about UK. Like, they're all... I'm like... <laughs> isn't Crystal Versace in this? No, that's wrong. Oh, yes. no, she is in this. See, that, yeah. that I'm thinking... That's the problem with too many seasons going on at once. Because I don't even know these bitches in Canada's names yet. Like, I don't know any... Like, I know Pythia. And that's because that bitch turned it. Oh, my God. We have to get week. to that because Pythia is giving me straight-up Crystal Method uh, vibes, and I'm here for it. Well, I get... Like, you get some Crystal Method, but, like, that, like, two-headed woman for that runway challenge for it's uh mm. the mm. what was it the under the big top oh my god like i audibly gasped oh yeah watching it like i went <gasps> like ornatia could never uh, ornatia wishes <laughs> ornatia wishes she could look like that dummy head <laughs> oh my god it looks so good it was so like the paint on that that fake identical head, identical it was it was amazing. flawless like oh my god it was so good so good i'm glad that she won the challenge because she definitely deserved it based on that runway alone like uh, yeah. i think i think her her character was really good and fun but i think that if oh god i think her name's stephanie the one who opened the show the one, who, the singing one, because her is... singing was amazing. Oh no, she! I was actually quite surprised how well she could sing. Yeah, amazing. So I was like, I think it was Stephanie. 
No, because Stephanie like was you... leather in leather and lace. The leather and lace duo. Then what was that uh, bitch's name? Um, Isis. No. No, it wasn't Isis. Isis was one of the dancers who fucked up. Something kiss. It's something kiss. Cynthia. C- Cynthia kiss. Yes. Cynthia kiss. I was like, all the some of these bitches just got like names. He got Stephanie and Cynthia, and I'm like. It's like, where, where are the, the drag the names? <laughs> where are the drag names? Where are I the drag? The drag <laughs> Where's the drag? <laughs> I need the drag names to help me. Um, no, Cynthia, I thought she would have been a contender for the top if her runway wasn't so basic. Well, I mean, also her, other than the opening, she really didn't, like, she just stayed on a bed the whole time and kind of interacted what? with the characters. Like, well, the performance yeah. that Pythia did was, like, that was, she super, like, embodied that character, gave it all sorts of cool mannerisms and was able to, like, really Yeah, and like, then really that bitch shine. hightails it off and we don't see her again. So Yeah, like, that's how you fucking win a rusical. You come in, do your shit, get off, and, that's, and you leave an impression. I think Cynthia left an impression, except for her name's basic and I can't remember it ever. But Cynthia left an impression because her singing was phenomenal. I thought she stayed in character the whole time. She was did her bit even though all of like the bitches behind her were like lost their minds. Oh and... my god, the Bing Bang Bong group? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. They did they... they did they did the United Ken dolls wrong. Oh yeah. What did Rue say? They she they sink sank sunk. <laughs> <laughs> Rue did not say that. Rue was not there. That Rue is because this that. is the this is the wrong Canada. fucking season. Exactly. Canada. I can't, can't get these goddamn these goddamn shows. Speaking of Brooklyn, she looked fucking amazing on oh. the runway. Are you kidding me? Oh. Beautiful hair coiffed i love the little like tendrils that kind of went into her hair that was really cool the her face beat to the fucking gods her dress that like slinky like green like tight and with the cape ugh yeah because i think she was going because she was staying on theme and she was being like snake woman so her ugh. dress was like snake skin ugh. i was like Fuck oh my bitch. god i want it she... i want it i want it it's so good um, no, Brooklyn's just looking fierce. Like, have you seen the teaser for this week's, or for, like, uh, her look for the runway? It's, like, this, like, red, like, spoopy, like, look, oh, like, I, I don't I, know. I I'm here it. for it. No, I, I, I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on Instagram, and I was like, oh. damn, woman. 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 No, um, what was it? I listened to Sibling Rivalry this morning on the way to work, and... I love Bob the Drag Queen so much because he's finally, he just looks at Monet and goes, Monet, why, what is it about this season that none of us can say anybody's name correctly? Because they spent the entire episode, like the last like three episodes, like getting Victoria and Veronica mixed Mm -hmm. up constantly. And then this time it was, uh, who did he keep mixing up? It was Crystal and uh, Scarlet and Charity. All yeah, of their names was, were yeah, like yeah. never straight. And I'm like, girl, because there's like 9,000 episodes of Drag Race now. Mm-hmm. 
I will say that it may, it does make me feel so like spoiler alert. Um, Charity and Scarlet end up in the bottom for UK again. Again, um, I will say that like I. I honestly thought that Charity gave a little bit more of an interesting um, uh, lip sync. I'm not at all uh, surprised that Scarlet won. Like she, 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 she turned the party as well. I liked Charity a little bit more, but I think ultimately that Charity was not. This was not the right vehicle for Charity. I agree with that sentiment. I disagree with the fact that you think that she won the lip sync. I, to me, to me, Scarlet won that lip sync hands down. However, the week before during that double save, Charity ate it up. So I think that if I thought were, they should have both went home last week, honestly. Yeah, but then we would have had like half a season. So what I they think should have happened? They could have brought another bitch on or whatever. They could have fi- figured out a COVID. fucking way. Not during they could have figured out a way. They, I'm sure they could figure out a way. They could figure they out something. That in te- they filmed season uh, season three in ten days. They didn't have time to quarantine a bitch. Call they had Victoria and be like, hey, you're still recovering Victoria, from the ACL? Victoria is broken. You could have you're what still, they should have done. We'll give you a, we'll give you a wheelchair, and then you can just go on the runway and nail the house down boots with your looks. You don't even have to do any of the fucking challenges. I would rather have seen that than have to be witness to that a lip sync that ended up in a double save. Um, I think that Charity still won that lip sync, even though it was not a great lip sync. Um, however, however, what they should have done is not have saved that double, the double save for that week. They should have just told, they should have pulled a uh, season four, had uh, Veronica and Veronica Green and was it Vanity Milan lip sync together and then been like and then have rue call down uh victoria or victoria had already they had already hit the house at that point and say i have an announcement you both get to say because uh victoria scone is gone so um you both get to stay and then we would have gotten that out of the way instead of trying to shoehorn it in somewhere where it didn't fit and then I Honestly, they the could have done anything. Uh, they could have literally done anything except what they did. <laughs> I mean, work, but that's what they should have done. That's what they should have done. Um, and at the end of the day, um, UK one, UK two are some of my favorite seasons of Drag Race. And UK three, I'm like, that's the thing that's happening right now. Um, yeah. And Canada one was um, mostly a decent uh season but like has its issues because of like how the judges were edited and all that cool stuff but you have um but you have some pretty solid queens with some a little bit of weirdness where you're like "Mm, okay but like not terrible so far season two of canada has been on point yeah i've been really liking what i've been seeing on uh canada season two and also that chick really from the the chick from the Handmaid's Tale, whose name I can't remember right now, but she was the judge week one. I want more of her and less of the other people. I don't care about them. I want her to be Brooklyn's new best girlfriend, and the other people can rotate out because she's great. <laughs> she was great. I loved her. She played the Martha, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, she's fantastic. I, she, and yeah, she was such a good judge. Well, that like she clearly like enjoyed her time there and was like really interested in what was going on in the competition. There are just some judges who would like just phone in their comments, like fucking. Um, I feel like Emma uh, Emma Roberts uh, on time on judging Drag Race was like, oh, you could have literally been any other person, and this episode would have been the same. Well, that but uh, Emma Roberts was just a special guest judge. Um, the girl from Handmaid's Tale, she's on the roster as a rotating judge. She's back this week. Oh, that I did not know. I thought it was just the Tracy yeah. That's girl. why she came. Oh. No, that's why she came in through the the workroom door. Special judges have done that too. Yeah, but she's uh, yeah, but she she was on the list of people being like a regular judge. I just forgot yeah. she was. Um, but uh, no, she's a she's work. a regular judge. She's like she rotates out like uh, Carson and Ross do. Excellent. That's awesome. She's I, I like her. I really do like her. I mean, Tracy Melcher is also fantastic too. Like they they seem to have really good energy i just i think i like the the chick who played i forget i don't even know her name <laughs> i don't remember her name either i keep calling her rita and that's not right that's, that's her definitely character. not right that's her character name. but um yeah i'm really enjoying uh so far in canada i'm really enjoying um uh pythia for mm -hmm. sure I really liked Pythia. I, I really need to look up. I don't remember any of these bitches' names. <laughs> I really need to like look at uh, a, a literal list because. Uh, oh it's, my god! It's can not we talk happening. about? Can we talk about the level of extra that is Eve six thousand? Oh, and the fact that she like had a fucking crying fit on the back of the stage while bitches were about to lip sync. <laughs> I was dying. It was so <laughs> funny. And then she, she was, and I was like, going... I was going to say, well, cause she was going and I was like, this bitch might be too much or she might be just enough. And then we got to this week and I was like, no, this no, bitch she, is too much. She's too much. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that I had two episodes in a row of things where, uh, because we had, uh, cause I watched UK and then Canada one right out of, after the other, uh, this past week. Um, I had like two untucks in a row where we had some girl just go crazy and be mm -hmm. like hyper emotional. Like I get it, but damn, yeah, because she... like, cause Scarlet lost her goddamn mind and was like, she, like I don't want to talk off. about it. Yeah. I don't like, want to talk about off. it. Like, like, and, like, and they're like, Scarlet, you're not listening. And then would like continue to interrupt. And then she walks off. And then they're having a conversation and she comes back and interrupts to say, Absolutely. I'm just sorry. And I'm like, you're so much right now. And then it was giving me have... very um, uh, Vixen uh, season nine reunion uh, vibes, like walking off and just yeah. being like, you know what? I don't need to hear any from any, any of y'all. I'm good. Peace. Yeah, but unlike the Vixen, Scarlet came back and then read those girls some more. Um, I'm so excited to see the reading challenge this week. Because the teaser at the uh, at the end of the episode was like, oh, 
I don't think Scarlet's gonna be funny. I think she's just gonna be like a straight up bitch, and I'm here yeah. for it. She's just gonna she's just gonna be mean. <laughs> she is going to show off her charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Mm-hmm. And flash it for everybody to see. Giggles. Um. No, and then we had like the bit the shit with Eve, and I was like, oh Eve. Oh, and the fact that oh my god, and the fact that she one fought for a singing role. And then was like, well, this role isn't a singing role. And she's like, well, I will make it a singing role. And then can't keep the tempo or find the pitch. She was having trouble with that pitch. Like, she came in off key and then couldn't, like, like, took, like, forever to, like, navigate that key. And then had the audacity, the audacity to be like, oh, if I knew we could have sounded like shit, I would have just come in and worked and, like, and been campy. And just sounded like shit. And I'm like, how very dare you? Yeah, because she, you're she, insinuating <laughs> that the person who was there who did well, which was uh, Kendall, Kendall Gender, mm-hmm. is saying that, oh, Kendall Gender sounded like shit, but because she had a character, it was fine. And I was like, one, she didn't sound like shit. She sounded fine. Did she sound amazing like Cynthia? No, but she sounded fine. And two... She had a fully realized character and stayed committed the entire time as well. So um, you came out, botched both of your reveals. Oh, yeah. And your name is Revelia. And couldn't save it with your singing. Because at least if you botched the reveals and you're like, well, I'm a singer. And then goes, well, I've never actually sang in public. Then you're not a singer. Then, yeah. You enjoy singing. There's a difference. That's different, dear. Yeah, she, her energy, oh, it was, it was, yeah, hashtag too much. Hashtag too much. What's well, the same thing with, like, what's uh, uh, Isis Couture saying, like, oh, I'm a dancer, and then gets to the choreo- choreography pr- uh, rehearsal and realizes, I'm not a fucking dancer. <laughs> <laughs> At least she admitted it, though. Like, she flat out was like, Oh, I thought I was a dancer, and then I realized that I can't dance at all. <laughs> I'm not a dancer. I'm like mad respect for the woman who can be like. And that is time. Me. All right. Well. Pew, pew, pew. Um. On that note, let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. Welcome. Hi. I feel like it's not a welcome unless they're decided to tune in at, I don't know, however long into the podcast we are. Um, If so, and you skipped us talking about the news and Drag Race, well, um, shame, but also, hi. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So normally we sit down and we talk about like things that we watch on the TV, but... um, we didn't do a whole lot of that this last week because um, JJ is making his house look nice for 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 the relatives, and um, I'm learning two shows to be in, and I had tech this week, so um, I want to shoot myself and haven't had time to watch the television. Pew pew. 
pew pew. So um, instead, we're going to throw it to our to my friend and yours, Miranda D. Lawson, for Miranda's ten minute recaps. Ooh. Miranda's ten minute recap. Warning: spoilers ahead. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Miranda's ten minute recap, where I recap things that I watched or read or maybe even heard about. We'll see where it takes me in 10 minutes or less with a lot of spoilers. Today, I am going to recap Midnight Mass. All right. <clears throat> Midnight Mass from the same guy that made The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor comes a new series that apparently he's had in the works for a very long time. I think it's a seven <clears throat> episode series, which makes sense because it's all about the Bible and shit. So, dude, real sexy guy, crashes a car, drunk driver, girl, dead. He's sad, gets four years in prison, does prison, gets out, and is like, I need to go back home. So, he goes back home to, to Croc Island, Crockett Island, Croc whatever, they call it Croc Pot, Croc a shit, anyway, Croc Island. And it's only got like 107 people on this island. It's very small. It looks New Englandy, in unimportant to the story exactly where it is, just that it is an island, which is important. So, <clears throat> oh my God, how am I going to recap seven episodes? In Keep talking. So, <clears throat> dude, has like no real purpose, goes back home, doesn't know anybody, so not religious, does like 12 steps and stuff, but doesn't believe in God, blah, blah, blah. There's a tiny little church full of Catholic people. Now, before we actually are inside of this Catholic church, a bunch of teenage boys, one of them being the younger brother of, of Riley, the one who drunk drive killed somebody, the younger brother is out with his friend, and then the boy, the son of one of the, of the sheriff, Sheriff Hassan, um, and they're all out in the middle of, I don't know, the field? the beach somewhere at night and they hear all these cats and you see all these glowing eyes because that's what cats do and then come to find out dude sees like what is that creature you know when and in the movie signs when when joaquin phoenix is like vamanos children vamanos and they're looking at the vhs tape and the alien goes wink wink you i'm doing the movement but he like looks into the camera kind of like that of, of a weird gray thing and the kid's like oh shit and then there's nothing there Anyway, go back to the church. So there is a pastor, Father Paul. He um, arrives instead of their other pastor, dude whose name I cannot remember. And he gets there and goes to his house and there's like this big trunk covered in dirt and he like knocks on the trunk and you're like, what the heck? So anyway, he's like, sorry, your pastor will be back soon. I promise he was sick and blah, 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 blah. So there's like this town drunk um, and then there's this really like religious woman and then there's this pregnant girl. Her name is Erin. It's played by Kate Siegel and Erin, used to know Riley, the drunk driver guy. Um, and she's pregnant now, she's back, she ran away, but now she's back and she's pregnant. And then there's a doctor who is a lesbian and she is uh, taking care of this woman. She, the doctor's not religious and the drunk driver guy is not religious at all. So people start going to mass and he's like, you guys need to come and take the, the sacrament? Is that what the blood and the body are? take it eat it drink it and so they're uh taking the thing and suddenly like these tiny little miracles start happening like people's eyesight is getting better and people can walk the girl in the wheelchair can walk suddenly 
and it's weird and the guy's back doesn't hurt anymore and people are looking younger and the doctor has a mom with alzheimer's and she's getting private sacraments at home like drive through McDonald's style from Father Paul. So then at some point, Father Paul, like you start to see that the sacrament blood is like a little thick and it's a little like weird and a whole bunch of cats show up dead on the beach and there's no blood in them. And you're like, wow, this is really fucking weird. The miracles start happening and the Bev lady is like, this is great. She's uh, loves Jesus and all that stuff. She's like, oh my God, God is here. Um, so Father Paul is like really adamant that people take this sacrament and you're like, dude, the fuck is up? And so the altar boys, um, are like filling up the wine cause there's starting to be a lot more people and they're like, uh oh, we're out of wine. And so Father Paul comes in with his flask and flasks up the wine, the blood of Christ. And you're like, shit's weird. So later on a group of people and this Bev lady and Dr. What's his face, he like, they have a meeting and Dr. Dr. Paul, Father Paul goes back into their room that they're meeting in. And then he like has a weird collapse cause he's been getting sicker and sicker. Um, cause spoiler alert, dude is a vampire. Um, so he gets sicker and sicker and he's grosser and grosser and then he dies on the floor. And then like a minute and a half later, he wakes up and now he's reborn, he's undead and tells this whole story about how he is their actual Monsignor that left that was super old. They sent him on this retreat to the Holy Lands to, to um, not the road to Calvary. What did Saul do? Saul and Paul were on the Damascus. Um, I went to church. And so he like gets lost because he's fucking cuckoo and he gets lost in a cave and he meets an old ass vampire with wings and he's like, it's the angel, bitch, it's a vampire. And so this vampire like drinks his blood but doesn't kill him. And then he offers him the vampire's blood and he's like, oh shit, I'm reborn. Um, this is really fucking badass. Hey, I have an idea because you made me young and I'm pretty sure you're an angel. How about you get in this trunk and fly with me to my tiny island to like fuck shit up? And so <laughs> the vampire angel's like, bitch, you know what? I don't have any plans this weekend. Let's go to the island. So come to find out the miracles and all this shit are because Father Paul Monsignor What's-His-Face has been spiking the Jesus juice with vampire blood. Now, granted, bitch still thinks it's an angel. He's like, this isn't vampire blood. Everything I've ever heard about a vampire and the fact that now, because I died and I'm reborn, cannot go out in the sun, and this weird winged demon cannot go out in the sun at all, like, that's not a vampire, that's God. Okay, whatever gets you through the day. So, this Bev woman figures out what's going on. And she's like, I'm with you. This is Jesus. This is what he wants. So they start formulating this fucking crack ass plan to make the whole island full of vamps. So then they can go fly and boat into the nighttime and turn the whole world into vampires. Because they're like, this is what Jesus wants. He conquered death. And now he's given us the way to conquer death. It's like, no, I think this is what like um, conspiracy theorists want and uh, right wingers. Anyway, so. So now that Father Dudeface is a full-blown vampire, he 
is now real thirsty all the time for blood. And so they start moving the masses to the nighttime, thus midnight mass, because bitch can't go out in the daytime. There's not a sunscreen on this planet strong enough. So the old dude who shot the girl that was in the wheelchair, side note, goes to Father What's-His-Face's house and he's like, hey, I didn't drink today. I stood in front of the Milwaukee brew and the cooler section of the 7-Eleven and I didn't do it. And he's like, great, come hug me. <laughs> and so the guy's like, okay. And so father dude is hugging this man and he's hugging tighter and tighter. And dude is like, hey, could you get the fuck off of me? And he breaks away from the hug and he falls backwards and he hits his head on the corner of a thing and he starts bleeding out and having like a seizure, he's shaking his shit. And the father goes over there and is like looking at him sideways and he touches the pile of blood behind his head and then he sucks his fingers. And then he's like, oh, that shit's good. So he just starts sucking on the back of that dude's head. Real intimate. And so he uh, dies. The Milwaukee Bruce guy, he dies, um, obviously. And so then father, what's his face, is sitting in the corner and he's real sad. Uh, he's so sad, except that he isn't sad about it. He's like, I didn't feel guilt. Well, mm, they're like, that must have been what God wanted me to do. So Bev, who's like got a hard on for this guy, is like, yes, that's what Jesus wanted. And so she gets the other townspeople who do sort of know what's up to get rid of the body. And so now everybody officially knows. So they have been feeding everybody the blood of the vampire for however long they've been there. And... Um, it's making them start to be younger and healed. And the lesbian doctor's mom is like super young how she was before and she remembers everything. And she's like thinking this priest pastor guy, he looks real familiar. He and she's calling him the name of the Monsignor guy because spoiler alert, I think I already said it, but it's him. So, oh my God, I need to go faster. So uh, pregnant Aaron girl and Riley guy talk and he's like, I have this weird dream where I'm on a boat and I just see on the horizon and then that girl from the car crack crashes there and I wake up and I don't have any direction in my life. Well, long story short, he goes by the church on the way home or some shit and the vampire has visited Dr. Father Paul to add more of his blood into the Jesus bank and Riley, the drunk guy, he's not drunk anymore, but he opens the door to the to the rec center and vampire swoops in and fucking murders him. Turns him into a vampire. He tries to leave and then Father Malahi or whatever is like, hey, this is what's happening. You're a vampire now. Just fucking deal with it. And dude's like, I'm not going to fucking deal with it. So he goes to visit What's-Her-Face at nighttime, super early in the morning. He takes her out on a boat. And then he's telling her all this thing. And he's like, you're never going to believe it. And the sun is rising. And you're like, oh, shit, bitch, you about to burn up in front of her? And he does. He sacrificed himself. You have to sacrifice yourself um, for her to know to go and stop everybody. Well, Midnight Mass comes around on Easter or whatever the fuck day it is. And they tell them the master plan of like they have to kill themselves in order to be reborn and so everybody who's been drinking the blood if they kill themselves well they'll be reborn and so they literally drink the fucking kool-aid full of rat poison and the thing is the people who don't drink it are now messed up by newborn vampires sucking for blood and so then the whole community of the church turns into now full-blown vampires 
They start running around. The people who weren't vampires are like, oh my God, they're going to get to the island. We need to release all the boats. So they burn all the boats. They release all the boats. So there's no way nobody can get off the island. They decide to, that Bev woman is like, no, burn it like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He'll pour from his cup fire. And she's like, burn the fucker down. And so they're like, we'll burn everything except for the rec center where all the newborn vampires are now going to live in the daytime. Well, the sheriff and Aaron and the lesbian are like, not on my watch. And so they go Molotov cocktail down the church and the rec center. There's a lot of things that have happened in between here. Turns out the lesbian is Father Paul's child. And then she gets shot by somebody and he's like, here, drink my blood. And she's like, bitch, no. And so she dies. And so then now all the vampires are just looking at everything on fire. Like, oh no, we're going to fucking die. And so the teenage boy, the son, the brother of the drunk driver and the girl that could now walk that was in the wheelchair, they have escaped on a rowboat off of the island. The other people made sure that they got off the island. And then now everybody's like, oh shit. So pregnant lady, by the way, vampire blood eats your babies. Deal with that. So um, um, the big vampire man with the wings comes and swoops her down after she molotovs the, the rec center, comes and swoops her down and starts eating her and feeding on her. And she takes a knife. Where did she get the knife? Oh, when they were in a house at some point hiding. And she starts slashing the wings. And you're like, why can she slash the wings? Why isn't he mad? Because when he's in full bloodlust, literally nothing bothers him, not even bullets. We found this out earlier, a part that I didn't tell you. So she's slicing his wings up. So when the whole town starts to fucking burn up, the vampire's like trying to fly, but he can't fly because his wings is fucked. And it ends with everybody turning into dust. And the girl who could walk looks to the boy and goes, I can't feel my legs. Um, so yeah, did the vampire get to off the island? We don't know. Did that girl not walk again? Probably seems so. Um, will there be more? I don't know. The series, I thought it was great. Everybody has 18 monologues every episode, so it did get a little boring, but the acting is phenomenal. I will say that I figured out it was a vampire, like, right away. (laughs) (laughs) so like mm, but I highly recommend you should totally watch you can binge it they're all like an hour-long episode I did pretty good I think I was about 15 minutes instead of 10 but like watch it it's good Miranda's 10 minute recap wow Miranda that was great um actually I haven't seen Midnight Mass either um I'm impressed that Miranda was able to condense a seven hour miniseries into just over 10 minutes you better work (laughs) we lied Miranda talked longer than 10 minutes but that's fine because we love her (laughs) heaven forbid somebody on this podcast take over their time limit go over their time limits (laughs) Jonathan would prefer if we didn't (laughs) but um we do um so yeah um normally we talk about what JJ watches which is the nanny, and that didn't happen this week either. Ain't um, no nanny happening to this week. Um, so the nanny named Fran is uh, going to be talked about next week. Um, so let's go take another break because we got to pay our bills. Um, and by our bills, I mean our producer. <laughs> um, 
and uh, we'll talk about a whole fuck ton of trailers. So, um, best get ready, we'll, bitches. We'll be right back. Oh my god, I cannot with the housing market right now, Joanna. Have I not told you about Capital Realty Center? Oh, the premier realty group that supported and succeeded throughout the California landscape? Now I remember. If that's what you're looking for, call Kathy Johnson at 916-606-0687 to win that next bid. That's Kathy Johnson with Capital Realty Center at 916-606-0687. License number 0202-1378. Guess who's back? Back again. We are back. Tell your friends. Tell all the friends. All the friends. All the friends. All the friends. Um, so this past weekend, um, a little thing called a uh, DC fandom happened. And I just sat down and watched a whole bunch of trailers before I had to go to rehearsals. Cause trailers only take a few minutes. And, um, we could talk about a few of them. Uh, we don't have to go into detail. The Flash trailer looks fun. But, yeah, so this will be a lot of JJ going, yeah, sure. And me going, uh-huh, sure. this looks really great or this looks like <laughs> garbage or whatever. So I'm going to talk about the Flash trailer first. I'm really excited that they're doing Flashpoint because I really like Flashpoint in the Flash TV show. I'm still not completely sold on Ezra Miller as the Flash, not going to lie. Um, I really like Grant Gustin's Flash on the uh, CW show, and I really think he could do a really good job with this character on a bigger scale, but um, DC decided not to, so um, whatever. But <laughs> I'm not hurt. Fun. I'm not bothered at all. <laughs> but whatever. Um, I am excited because uh, Michael Keaton Batman is going to be in this movie. How interesting. So uh, we're going to get a Michael Keaton Batman, and I'm excited because I like Michael Keaton Batman. Um, we don't get to see Michael Keaton in all of his glory, but we do get his, his, his voice in the voiceover narration at the beginning of the trailer. And we get to see his very distinctive cowl um, come into view, and you're like, oh, that is Michael Keaton Batman. And then at the end of the trailer, um, uh, Ezra Miller goes to like grab the... Uh, um, the covering off of a car and you're like oh, Batmobile, Batmobile and then you don't get to see it but you're like but the Batmobile was under dare there's a Batmobile I like the don't Batmobile don't tell me nothing with a Batmobile um, speaking of the Batmobile uh, the Batman released his second trailer that movie's gonna come out March 4th 2022 um, apparently I won't go see it with JJ because JJ could care less <laughs> Yeah, but I'm uh, excited. It's maybe as it gets closer, I'll get more interested. But I'm like, uh, nah. I'm excited because it's a uh, we're getting to see the more of the detective Batman side. We're getting to see the early Batman as opposed to a Batman who's already been established and been around for a while. Um, I'm excited because our Pat's actually looks really good as the Batman. Um, as opposed to, <clears throat> as opposed to someone like, uh, Ben Affleck, who never really sold me on his Batman. Um, and to be fair, he didn't I mean, sell very many people on his Batman. <laughs> that's fair. Um, and so I'm excited to see someone else play the Batman. I'm excited to see 
how the storyline goes. I'm uh, excited because Colin Farrell is going to be playing... Uh, Who is unfucking recognizable Yeah, he's playing the Penguin. Well, I don't think he's officially the, the Penguin. He's uh, Oswald Cobblepot, um, the gangster. But yeah, he looks nothing like himself. And so you're like, oh, is that... You don't even go, oh, is that... Someone like literally was like... You know that's supposed to be Colin Farrell, right? I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, oh, that is. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is wild. Um, so I'm excited to see, um, to see what it does. I like this. Uh, it's a gritty Batman without being like gritty for like grit's sake, like the uh, uh, Christopher Nolan Batman series. Um, but it's also not like hyper campy, like the Michael Keaton, Keaton Batman era through like the George Clooney Batman era, like those ones. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, it's taking itself seriously, but it's also like, of like aggressive, like Batman's like is beating the shit out of people. And you're like, Oh man. So I'm excited to see it. Um, I was not sold on, Robert Pattinson as Batman until uh, this trailer. Until this particular trailer. Because yeah. I still wasn't completely sold. I am not sold on his Bruce Wayne yet. <laughs> his Bruce Wayne is still looking very emo boy to me. So I need that Bruce yeah. Wayne sold to me a little bit better. But that could be um that's not a deal breaker for me because I'm at the end of the day I'm watching a Batman movie, not a Bruce Wayne movie. I do, I do like a Paul Dano for uh, the Riddler. That seems really like that seems like a pretty good like choice for uh, somebody to play the Riddler. I'm I'm on board. No, and it looks really exciting, and I really love that we're not in this trailer seeing his Riddler really at all. We see him from like behind, or uh, we hear his voice, but we don't see him. Which I'm excited for because I'm like, yeah, like, save something for the movie. Let's see what he does with this. Get excited. Um, so that's exciting. Um, we got a first look at the Black Adam movie starring Dwayne Johnson. Um, there's not a whole lot. But it's there. Um, it looks like it could be cool. Dwayne Johnson's really excited about it, so... That's the thing that happened. Um, I think we see like the first like few minutes of the film in the little teaser that they released. And you're like, that's a thing that's going to happen. And eventually they'll have more, th more footage. I am excited about this Peacemaker show because that trailer was fire. And I really like John Cena as an actor. And I really liked his character uh, in Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. I don't remember. Whichever the fuck one that uh, James Gunn just in. did. <laughs> right. Well, J James Gunn just directed one, and I can't remember if it was Suicide Squad or The Suicide Squad. But it was the one James Gunn just did. And uh, John Cena was in it as Peacemaker. And that character was Banana Boats. And it just looks silly. Like, this is going to be a TV show, and you're just going to go, oh, that's silly. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure, this is kind of on the uh, more campy side of the horror, uh, of the, not horror movie, but the superhero genre, it seems real, real, like, real campy. Um, uh, I'm I'm starting to give... There's an American Eagle that hugs John Cena. Yeah, and it... It all screams just absolute ridiculousness, which is fantastic. Um, I've I've always like I'm always weary when like uh, like pro wrestlers try to do, go legit and go into acting. Like when Dwayne the Rock Johnson started acting, I was like, okay, I see you in Scorpion King. I get I got it. It makes that makes sense. Um, but like John Cena has been kind of has been killing it at the box office. Like he even does funny really well, which is a hell of a surprise to me. Oh yeah, no, he's. Uh, I've been really impressed with his acting because I've done the same thing. Because we've for every, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson or John Cena, you get you get four or five like Bill Goldbergs. Um, Fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, all of those weird, like, obnoxious characters that are like, mm, acting's not something you should be doing um, besides the character you play in the ring. But, um, no, I agree. Like, I've really enjoyed uh, John Cena, and I'm excited that he's, you know, fronting his own... Uh, TV show on HBO. I'm gonna watch the crap out of it because I think it's gonna look great. Um, hell, we might cover it on this podcast depending on what's happening in January. <laughs> um, Tune and then in, last folks. Thing, <laughs> the last thing you put on here was um, it's really exciting. Um, uh, uh, Helen Mirren is gonna be doing some fun stuff. Yeah, Helen Mirren is going to be hosting a Harry Potter game show. You heard me, folks. Helen fucking Mirren is hosting a Harry Potter game show. Like, those words, even as they come out of my mouth, seem like a farce from another, like, different, from a, like a different reality. But that shit's happening for realsies. <laughs> That's so exciting. I, um... Self-proclaimed Harry Potter nerd. I have been on trivia teams where we have won money for our Harry Potter knowledge. I'm going to watch the shit out of this. It, it is exactly what it is. It, it is a trivia-based quiz game show called Harry Potter... It is called Harry Potter Hogwarts Tournament of Houses. And it's it's supposed to be like trivia questions. I'm assuming about Harry Potter and like the Wizarding World lore. Um, I I'm assuming you're going to be playing as one of the houses, or like contestants will be playing as the different houses, and um, you know battling to win the isn't it called the House Cup? Uh, yeah. The, the thing at the end of the year so um, that's what I'm as I have no idea what really this show is about um, even the trailer is kind of like not giving a whole lot but it's fucking hosted by Helen Mirren y'all and like, it's Harry the, Potter trivia and it's Harry Potter y'all like what the it shit could have been ho- it could have been hosted by an unknown human 
who was like, I'm going to read questions about Harry Potter and people will answer them. And I would be like, I'm there. But we get the added bonus. Of Helen of, Mirren. Of Helen Mirren. And I guess because this is this marks like the 20th anniversary of the films? Of the films, yes. The uh, uh, first film came out in, I think, 2001. Yeah, 2001. 2001, 2002, something like that. Because I was definitely a freshman in high school when um, The Sorcerer's Stone came out. I remember it coming out and being like, I'm so excited. Although, I will say, I mean, I love Helen Mirren. I'm glad she's doing it. They really couldn't have gotten any of the kids from Harry Potter to come back and, like, just host the trivia night. Tom Felton would have done it. Tom Felton has nothing better going on. And I say that meaning that, like, if somebody approached Tom Felton and said, I need you to do this thing for Harry Potter, he would have been like, where? And just show up. He does, constantly does things on his Instagram where he's like, like, at one point for charity, he was re-watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone like on Instagram live. Like he would watch like for like 20, 20 minutes and like give his commentary of like behind the scenes stuff or react and things like that. And people would like donate money while he was doing it and he raised money for charity. Um, whenever they need like somebody to be like go talk about Harry Potter for a while they're like Tom what are you doing? <laughs> you want to talk about Potter? He's like, can I go buy more Slytherin things? Then sure. Maybe he'll be a guest, uh, like judge or something or whatnot. They're supposedly supposed to get like celebrity guests. Tom Felton. Just get Tom Felton. I feel like <laughs> Ivana Lynch. Ivana Lynch will probably do it too. I'm going to pretend I don't know who that is. Ivana Lynch played Luna. Oh, that's that was going to be my guess. <laughs> um, but I'm here for it. Um, I'm going to throw one more trailer at you that I didn't put on our outline because I watched it today. Um, what? Actually, I watched a couple ones, but this one is one that we will both appreciate. Um, the trailer for, or the teaser trailer for the upcoming Pixar f- film Lightyear just dropped today. And it was amazing. Interesting. And so, um, what I'm gathered from the trailer and what and my research is that Lightyear is going to be a uh, movie about the real Buzz Lightyear that the toy was modeled off of. And so, the Buzz Lightyear in this movie is one really hot, and two voiced by Chris Evans. And Buzz Lightyear goes off into space and because he's like an astronaut. And then we don't get a whole lot of information out of it, but it looks like he he's like an astronaut. There's like the sense of wonder and excitement. And at one point we finally get to see him in like the Buzz Lightyear outfit because space. Um, And it looks really cool. And I'm really excited to see what happens with it. Interesting. So like... This is Buzz Lightyear, not the toy Buzz Lightyear, but Buzz Lightyear, like, the space the ranger. Yeah, the human. Uh-huh. 
That is wildly interesting. And I'm assuming this is going to be on like a Disney Plus deal. No, I think it's, it's going to be. A, it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be releasing in theaters. They didn't give us too much information. It was just a teaser, uh, but I think it's going to be released into theaters, like uh, because the animation looks too good to do a Disney Plus release when they're releasing a lot of things in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. Like the animation is gorgeous. I see. I see. Like it's like really great. Like sense of wonder. Like awe and beauty interesting oh because i know i've seen there there have been like buzz lightyear i know that there was a buzz lightyear cartoon that explored buzz, buzz lightyear, lightyear of star, star command yes. i loved that cartoon that cartoon was so good because buzz mm-hmm. lightyear is voiced by patrick warburton yes he was uh so like this will be interesting because this feels a little bit more like like less cartoon i mean obviously it's still animated but it's less like silly children's cartoon and more like a serious like um depiction of this character yes hold on uh i was gonna text you the image i'm looking at it right now oh yeah it's so pretty right yeah Look how pretty it looks. And he looks so handsome. I love that they still kept like the, the little butt chin. Of course, that's why they would put it on the doll. <laughs> but it, it looks a chin dimple. Got that chin, that cleft chin. Well. We oh, made it a kitty. to the end. There is a kitty cat. There was a kitty. There was a kitty. And at the end they say, to infinity, like one person goes, to infinity. And then Buzz, uh, Buzz Lightyear goes, and, and then it cuts out. And you're like, ooh, I see what you did because it's Chris Evans. So you're like, he can't say the catchphrase yet. It took, Chris Evans it, is never allowed to say catchphrases until, <laughs> until, until the, the very, last. Very, <laughs> the very last possible moment. I was yeah. like, how dare you as Avengers assemble me right now? Mm-hmm. He, Disney Pixar just edged an entire, like, every older millennial. <laughs> no, and what's great about this movie, or from what I can tell based off of this trailer, this movie was made for you and me. This movie was made for our demographic. And it's just also going to be acceptable for children to watch. And those are the kind of movies I want to see. Duh. (laughs) Just duh. All right. Well, I think we've made it to the end of our our podcast. Well, thank you for listening to Nobody Asked Our Opinion. You can send us an email with any and all of your opinions at nobodyaskedouropinion at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nobody Asked Our Opinion. You can also listen to us on YouTube. Find us at Nobody Asked Our Opinion Podcast. Uh, you can follow Joanna at Joey Snow 2006. And you can follow me at Piano Man underscore zero five. Follow our unpaid intern Natalia. She does all of our social media. Hit her up, give show her some love at the third rule creative. 
And show uh, Miranda some love, our resident 10-minute recap master, at Miranda D. Lawson. And follow our producer, Jonathan, at Jelly Sound. Rate us and leave a review. Give us five stars. Tell us you hate us. Tell us you love us. Tell us we're fucking stupid because we are. Just I mean, interact. No. And get, it gets the algorithm chugging for our podcast to hit more and more uh, like-minded idiots. So please engage and get us out there. Tell your friends, your family, your postman. Yeah, Do it all. All those, all those people. All, those, um, all of that. Join us on uh, Thursdays for our pop culture bullshit that you like you just heard and join us on Saturdays for our film in uh, deep dives into film uh, franchises we are slogging through the saw films how spoopy how spoopy we'll remember to record an episode this week we've been busy thank you for calling us out (laughs) (laughs) um we are a podcast of integrity so i call out our bullshit when it happens uh newsflash all of this is bullshit (laughs) (laughs) okay bye okay bye bye bye